Let us pray. God, we thank you for these words, this opportunity to freely gather here and to worship you. And Lord, as we sit here in this place gathered with one another, continue to speak into our hearts, minds, and lives that which you have for us this day and each day. And may my words be yours. In Jesus' name, amen. We started a new uh, focus last week, a six weeks through June 1st, where we're looking at the spiritual disciplines, some practices, some tools for our faith. Last week I started with prayer, which I labeled as the most central of the disciplines. I do find it hard to elevate some of the disciplines over the, other, but, over the others, but certainly prayer being central. And then this week I would say the one I'm going to talk about. These two are of the most significance. Where prayer is central, scripture is absolutely necessary. These spiritual disciplines are simply practices and tools. Tools and practices that we hope become habits that alter our life, that habits that lead to transformation. It's about replacing old habits, oftentimes bad habits, with new, better habits. And the spiritual disciplines in particular often help us to replace our habits of self-reliance with habits of God-reliance. And in this way, the disciplines truly are a great gift to us. And today I want to talk to you about the scripture. The scripture, the scriptures are critical, the scriptures are required. Understand that the scriptures are our measuring stick. The scriptures are our filter. They are our tool for truth, for discernment. In this way, reading the scripture is essential. To read the scripture, to study the scripture, to know the scripture, to pray the scripture, to think about the scripture, to meditate on the scripture. These are the disciplines that we are called to. They all fall under this category of scripture. Let me say a word about meditation. It's a word that gets confused in our culture. In fact, we think of it as some kind of non-Christian, you know, non-religious new age practice where we sit in our room and, you know, think and make noises. And, and we've got this bad image of meditate. But meditating on the scriptures has been a practice for a long, long time. It predates probably all of us in age put together. And this idea of meditating on the scripture, I had a professor in college when I, my sophomore or my second semester of my freshman year, I took a class on the disciplines, and he talked to us about meditation. And the image he used was a helpful one. I learned some things. Uh, is it related? He used the, the image of a cow. Now, I didn't know much about cows. Don't still, I'm not still a cow expert, okay? So if you are, just humor me, all right? But he talked about when cows chew, and by the way, they don't eat much, and they don't eat food that's necessarily very hard or difficult to eat. When cows chew, they chew and they chew and they chew and they chew. They chew over and over and over and over again. Okay, and you can imagine what that's like. Not a pleasant thought, but now I've got your attention. And, and to meditate on the scriptures is, is very similar to that. It's to think and to chew on the scripture over and over and over again. So often we fly by the scriptures. We read them quickly. We glance at them. 
And I find that the more I meditate, the more that I chew on him, that I focus, that I, that I sit and read and listen over and over again, I, I catch new things. This is, of course, because of the work of the Holy Spirit who brings new things to mind, who speaks through our circumstances, our attitude, our place in life. But it's also because we begin to see better. That even sermons or scriptures that I've preached on more times than I can count, I'll go to study it and I'll catch a little word like the placement of an and or a the. Words that are pretty insignificant to us. And all of a sudden, they get elevated. And so to meditate is literally to just chew on, to think on, to reflect on the scripture over and over and over again. The reading of the scripture for us is to be daily. It's to be a daily practice. Privately and in groups, it's something we do as individuals. It's something that we do corporately together. We do it in small groups as we study, as we read. I love our Thursday morning Bible study that we have here. It's a fun and diverse group. And there are sometimes rabbit trails, I call them. And by sometimes, I mean almost all the time. It's really my fault, if you can believe that. And, and there, there are these rabbit trails where we get to talk about the Scripture, and it gets us on this other thought and something we begin to reflect on, and we begin to bounce off one another, or someone raises a question that gets us thinking about something differently. This isn't possible without the Scriptures. We're called to be a people of the Scriptures. We look at the scriptures in groups, in worship. We're also called to pray the scriptures. And somebody asked me about this once. It's my practice to pray a psalm every day. The psalms are, are poetry. They, you will notice in worship songs, they a lot of times come from the psalms. They're also prayers. I find them to be honest prayers. David was an honest, authentic man in the same psalm. I love you, O Lord. Great is your majesty. Now smite my enemy with big rocks and sticks and make it ugly. I don't know about you, but that's sometimes how I feel some days, right? Thank you, God, for this day. And then I get in the car and I'm like, smite that car in front of me. And, and the honesty of the psalms. So to pray a psalm for me is to, is to simply read it prayerfully, to say these words as a prayer. We're not going to, again, surprise God with our prayers, as I mentioned last week. We're also called to memorize the scriptures in our psalm, which should be familiar to us that we have again today. Verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The truth is we memorize all sorts of things, right? We memorize liturgy, we memorize hymns, we memorize songs, numbers, rules, laws, arguments with our spouse. We memorize all sorts of things. A song comes on the radio, we can sing it verbatim, a, a favorite hymn since childhood. We don't need the book. Yet we struggle to memorize the scripture. We easily memorize those things that are temporary and worldly, and yet we fail to memorize the thing that is eternal. But it's amazing what happens when you begin to memorize the scripture. That psalm is right. It becomes hidden in your heart. It transforms you. And it's amazing that they come out at the most powerful and most important times in your life. When I was in college, this one professor I had in the ministry program, it was a requirement of his classes that there were scripture memory. Sometimes there were two or three or four during the semester. 
And you had to pick your translation, and you had to memorize it. And when the day of the memory test came, you can imagine college kids, right? You had to write down the verse, and it was never just one verse. It was usually two to seven. You had to write down the verse. And for every word you missed, every word you added, every misplaced, not placed, wrongly placed, comma, period, question mark, you lost a point. Again, not exactly the most enjoyable experience of my life. But I'll tell you to this day, I know every one of those scriptures. Every last one of them. And it amazes me what happens when we stop to memorize it. Why is it that we can memorize these other things and we struggle to memorize the scripture? We memorize Christian cliches. We memorize these Christian quotes and bumper stickers, these things that end up on t-shirts. Most of them actually aren't in scripture. A lot of them theologically give me an ulcer. It's not hard to do. You know, my favorite one is, God doesn't give us more than we can handle. That's not in the scripture, by the way. In fact, the opposite is in the scripture. God calls us to suffering, to challenge, to follow. And I'll never forget, I think I've shared this story, spoken, speaking in front of a group of, of pastors, and I was talking about suffering and how we handle suffering as individuals, as pastors, and I said, this cliche is not true. And I hadn't got back to my office, but I had the email. I loved your message, but, the big old Christian but, right? But, you said this wasn't in Scripture, and it is. Here, it's in 1 Corinthians 10.13. And 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And I said, well, that's great, that's right, but that's about temptation, that's not about suffering. And so oftentimes we grab a hold of these wrong things. That the Bible is God's story. It's our story. It's the story of the world, our interaction with God, God's interaction with us, with our interaction with one another, with the world. We need to know the story. It must be our priority. For me in this church, for us, I want this to be a priority. That the good news is that this thing called church is not rocket science that we focus on the scriptures, that we preach the scriptures, that we study the scriptures, that we talk about the scriptures. Why do I have the little inserts that and tell you what the scripture is for next week and encourage you to read it? I want us to be in the scriptures. It's the scriptures that transform us, not the pastor. It's Jesus who transforms us, not simply coming to worship. Jesus uses those things to transform us, but we must be a people of the scripture. I want scripture to be a priority in our family. It is something my kids do every day. It is on their to-do list to read the scriptures, to do a devotion at dinner. These simple little things make such a difference to focus our hearts and minds on the right thing. Many of us are intimidated by the Bible. And that's okay, because God, God is big. And by comparison, we're pretty tiny. But anyone can read the scriptures. Anyone can see God in the scriptures. You don't have to be a scholar. You know the difference between a novice and a scholar in reading the scriptures? Debt. Student loans. 
No, there's more to it than that. The difference really isn't so magnificent that some people, me or somebody else, knows the Scripture more. Because what happens is the more that you know the Scripture, the more that you understand about God, the more that you don't realize you know about God. It's a pursuit, right? As you pursue relationship with somebody else, as you pursue your marriage relationship, as you pursue friendships, as you learn more and more about each other, you find more surprises, you find more joy, you find some more challenges even, right? And that's how it is with God, as we know the Scripture more, we see more of God, and we know more of what we don't understand. We seek this God. Anyone can be a scholar of the Scriptures. It's about studying and being in the Word. The Scriptures are accessible to all. That's the gift. As Lutherans, we hold to this key principle. Sola Scriptura. Word alone. And it's funny to me because I think all that Martin Luther fought for to get the scriptures in our hands, to make sure that we were people of the scripture and not a people of the institution. Now the institution has value. Sometimes I'm surprised how intimidated we are about our Bibles. It always surprises me to come to a Lutheran church and not see Bibles in the pews. Word alone, that the Word of God is the measuring stick. It is the filter. It is the sifter. It is our tool for discernment. It points us to salvation in Jesus Christ by faith alone, through grace alone. That's what the Scripture does. Everything we need to know and understand is here. It's not always obvious. It's not always what we want to hear, but it's there. We have the tool. It's more than just a book. It is the inspired Word of God. Now, I like to accept theological diversity, people who believe and understand different things. And I think we get caught up in the small things in the church and in life, when we should be more caught up in the big things. But there are still some things that I would probably gladly be called inflexible about. And the scripture is the word of God, the inspired word of God, the authoritative word of God is one of those things for me. I say that unapologetically, by the way. Sola Scriptura. Now, the Bible is filled with all sorts of things, and so oftentimes we take one of two tacks to it. We either take it literally or we take it not at all. And both of these are equally dangerous, by the way. You can't actually take the scripture literally and fulfill every ounce of it. Because of the coming of Christ, the scripture even has within itself some contradictions. We need to understand it's to be studied, to be known, to look at what has been thought about this, to look at the scholars, because it is true that there's more to the scholars I look to the scholars. I look to what people have said. I study these things because it can't be just about me. But you see, this is still the primary source of truth. 
We've got to do our best to understand it, to look at it, even though it has all these different forms. We can't read Revelation literally. You can if you want. Revelation is read a lot more like the Chronicles of Narnia or Lord of the Rings. Psalms, as I said earlier, is, is poetry, songs of worship. We read that as poetry. The letters are just that. They're letters. We read them as letters. There are things that are instructions. We don't read an instruction manual like a letter. Dear purchaser, step A. Usually by the time we get to the third letter of step A, we're calling on Jesus. Okay? This is the truth. We, don't, we read these things differently. There are these different forms for us. The gospel stories, these powerful stories. There is nothing more powerful than story, right? We all love a good story. There's not a better one, by the way. You see, again, it's the primary source of truth. All thoughts, all prayers, everything that is said, everything that is understood is filtered through this. So when somebody says, I feel the Lord is saying, and the Lord certainly still speaks to us, filter. Filter it all. You see, we have a cultural problem. We ignore the scripture as the filter. And this is not just a problem in secular culture. It's not just a problem with certain denominations. It's a problem in all the church. We don't filter. There's lots of things that we don't filter. Some of them, in fact, are good things. I made a big list. Whether it's culture, movies, music, Christian or non-Christian, Christian subculture, things that, that popes say, things that are in the liturgy, things that are in the hymns, all of this we filter through the scriptures. Things that the pastor says, we filter through the scripture. For everything I can say to you today, filter! Because while those who are called to study these have done so to the best of their ability, it all is filtered through the scripture. Filter what is said through the scripture. Whether it's said on a t-shirt, in a Christian movie, a non-Christian movie, in the liturgy, by the pastor, by a scholar, by your friend, by your mom, filter it through the scriptures. And it's hard to filter if we don't look at the scriptures. So oftentimes we look to one verse or to one subculture for our truth. And all these things are okay. Christian subculture is okay. But if it's your primary source of truth, you've got a problem. If your understanding about God is limited to movies about Jesus, Christian movies, bumper stickers, books, t-shirts, we've got a problem. If those are things to encourage that you filter through the scripture, we're doing okay. Filter it all, whether it comes from the church fathers or from the denomination, whether it comes from the pastor or a friend. Filter it all. The scriptures are the filter. They're the measuring stick. We don't test stuff. We don't test our own stuff the most. We filter culture a lot. We filter Culture, media, political parties, we filter that stuff through the scripture all day long. But we don't always filter the Christian stuff through the scripture. 
We have a failure, I believe, in theological reflection. We don't take all these things, good and bad, Christian and non-Christian, and reflect on them in the lens of God, in the lens of Scripture. We don't reflect that way. And that's dangerous to me. That sometimes buying into the latest Christian fad is more dangerous than that which the culture has to offer. Because we filter that, and sometimes we don't filter this. That's the beauty and the power of the scriptures. We look so many times to the wrong things to be our Christ, to be our source of truth. Jesus is our Christ. The scripture is our source of truth. And even if it's good things like church and liturgy and church history and the church fathers, it's still to be filtered through the scripture. Scripture is primary. I remember once when I served in the Methodist tradition, I was interviewing at, the, at a Methodist church. And they asked me a question, and they have what's called in the Methodist church the Wesley Quadrilateral. I see John nodding, he knows. Four things, history, tradition, no, history and tradition, right? Reason, scripture, and experience. Yes? Yes, thank you. I knew I had it out of order. Okay. That's why I'm glad you're here today. And he asked me, which of those is the most important? Okay, it's kind of a trick question in the Methodist Church. But I said Scripture. Scripture, because Scripture is the thing that you use as the filter. Scripture is primary. We have our reading today from 2 Timothy. And it's in there in your insert if you want to look. And I want to look at verse 14 through 16 quickly. And I want to look at it in both translations. Verse 14. Well, I'll do the, the NIV in the message. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. The message. But don't let it phase you. Stick with what you learned and believed, sure of the integrity of your teachers. Why, you took the, in the sacred scripture with your mother's milk. There's nothing like the written word of God for showing you the way to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Every part of Scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us the truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live in God's way. That these Scriptures we've been given, we must hold on to with integrity. We must value, we must hold in the highest of regards. That in the scriptures we have all things we need to know for salvation in Christ Jesus. Everything we need, everything that we have held up. And I love this. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That it all has a purpose. It all has meaning. It all has value. Even Deuteronomy 14:19, you can look it up afterwards. 
says this, all flying insects that swarm around you are unclean to you. Do not eat them. Good advice, right? Eating insects, not a habit of mine. What's the point of a verse like that? Well, besides being good advice, this reminds us of the law that people had to live to measure up to even hope to know God. It reminds us of the power of Jesus Christ that because of Jesus, it's not about that anymore. We can know the God of the universe. It all has a purpose. Whether it corrects us, whether it challenges us, whether it encourages us, whether it trains us, it all has a purpose. It all has value. It all has meaning. It all has significance. And this is why it is so critical to us. This is why it is so critical to our lives. That without it, we've got nothing. This is how we know. This is how we understand. Without the scriptures, we are lost. We are left guessing. Guessing. We are called to be a people of word. And reading and thinking and study and word and deed and meditation That this discipline is the filter. This tool that God has given us points us to the truth. And everything else in which God does or does not speak is measured against this. And that's why, not just in today's culture, but in every culture, we need to be a people of the word. Let us pray. God, we thank you for the scriptures, for all that they teach for us, for all that they have for us. God, help us to be a people of your word. Not just believing blindly, even the good things, even the stuff that comes from ourselves, from our own churches and history and culture, but to measure everything, every thought, every action, every word against your word. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please.